Hey listeners, it's Andrea. Today, we test the limits of how far off topic we can go. Data once again charms a very confused woman, and we ask the question, would you want to be a colonist on a new planet? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking Season 5, Episode 4, Silicon Avatar. This amazing episode was written by Lawrence V. Conley and directed by Cliff Bull. The Enterprise gives chase to the crystalline entity after it destroys a Federation colony. A xenologist who has motivations of her own with respect to the crystalline entity is assigned to the enterprise to assist in the investigations. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Xenologist. Xenologist. That is, a, that is a cool word. Yes. Yes. Well, Xeno means um, other or alien. So uh, somebody who studies alien life forms, I guess that hmm. would be the appropriate nomenclature for a person who, when we start contacting aliens, apparently that will be a job title. That works so, for me. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That tracks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally the nomenclature, the nomenclature checks out. Right. <laughs> and that's not something you hear on every podcast. I gotta be honest. No, no you don't. <laughs> only, only the quality ones like ours, <laughs> <laughs> only the super nerdy ones. Yeah. What are your initial thoughts on this episode, Cherise? Um, I really like it. I mean, obviously it's a data heavy episode. So it's one of the episodes I've visited many times. I haven't seen it recently, but I have a lot of fond memories of this one just because I remembered that it was this mix of grief and vengeance and the mother was kind of mixing those together and calling it justice. And I think that that is something that is very human. And it's something that I personally struggle with a lot, like the idea of what is justice, because a lot of times to me, justice feels like revenge. And I'm not going to lie, revenge feels, feels pretty good. So I'm kind of like, well, what is justice then? Like, does that feel like anything? I don't know. And so I really appreciate this episode for that reason to answer that really big question. I mean, not to really answer it, but I guess to to ask it and to cause me to think about it again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What were, what were your initial thoughts? Um, I just, you know what? My thoughts were not really as deep as yours. I was just like, cool. The crystalline entity is back. Like (laughs) I remember really enjoying this episode, but I really only remember the like very beginning where you've got this like very utopic planet mm-hmm. that gets wiped away and then they hide in the cave and then the very ending um, yeah. with, you know, what Dr. Mar does. And it's like, oh, there's all this stuff in the middle. I'd completely forgotten. Um, I really, really loved the crystalline entity. It's an alien that was first introduced. I'm pretty sure in season one, maybe season two. I think, I think season it was season one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's when we met lore. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is like a callback to season one. And I'm glad that we get to revisit because the last time we saw the crystalline entity, lore was spinning off into space <laughs> and the crystalline entity was just bouncing. It was like, pew, you know, just getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> but like now we get like a where are they now? Mm-hmm. Um, Which we so rarely it, get on the show. Yes. Yes, we do. And actually, I did some reading about this episode. Um this is a very cool episode because they were like, we loved the crystalline entity as an alien. We love that it was a non-carbon life form. We love mm-hmm. that it was a non-humanoid mm-hmm. life form. Like it was just so different and so cool. Um, and we wanted to like bring that back to kind of like close out that story. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. The question I have is, 
is this the same crystalline entity that we saw in season one or are there like a species of them and it's just a different one but you know they all look the same because yeah it's a snowflake you know they did answer Um, that in this episode and i I had the same question i was like did they did they they answer this they did (gasps) it is the same exact one so it's only like one of one limited. Well, edition? who knows? Because there still might be others that oh. we just haven't encountered. This may be the one in the alpha quadrant. This may be the one there closest to, yeah. you know, star Starfleet colonies mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, because yep. I have a hard time. If it's a life form of any kind, there's got to be more than one. Now mm-hmm. it could be the last one of its species. It could be, you know, it's far away from the others. It could be the kind of a, um, animals that live very isolated lives. Yeah. Right, where they only like bump into each other every couple of years kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately we don't get the answers to any of those questions. Um, we do find out it's the same crystalline entity, but we don't find out about the rest of the entities, which is so, which in and of itself is fascinating as well, mm-hmm. because that is something we see on the show. A lot of times they will meet alien life forms that they only meet once. And I think it was Picard who said about one of the plants they went to sometimes first contact is last contact. And this is like yeah. a, like a second contact or whatever for the enterprise yeah. specifically, yeah. but it, yeah. we don't see them again, unless they come yeah. back in the next season of lower decks or something. We don't, we don't see them, again. which would be amazing, but be yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love lower decks. <laughs> All right. Let's, <laughs> let's just jump right into this. Um, so Riker and a, but, and you know, away team are helping colonists on this planet, Malona four, which is like very paradisey looking. Mm-hmm. Um, they are setting up a new colony. And one of the leads, Carmen, she's flirting exceptionally well with Riker. They have such great, like, rat-a-tat back and forth. Mm-hmm. And they flirt. I really wish that she wouldn't have died, like, one minute Instantly. after this. Yeah. 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 Want to so see like, what came I of that. Would like to, I would like to see what happens. Although, I guess we all know what happens. He's going to wash her feet. And she's going to yeah. storm back to the colony 25 minutes later angry. But, <laughs> yeah. And go on with her I, life. Actually, can I just say... I have um, my two nephews who are visiting with me and they stay with me all summer and the youngest is seven. And he was like, what are you watching? And I was like, Oh, I'm watching star Trek. Cause you know, me and Sharice have this podcast. So I need to watch the episodes and then take notes. He was like, Ooh, can I watch with you? I was like, sure. He'd never seen star Trek. Um, and especially not TNG. So he was like, who's that? What's that? And I was like, Ooh, that's data. He's an Android. That's like a fancy word for a robot. He's really cool. Oh, that's Jordy. That thing on his eyes is like a visor because he's blind. That's a Klingon. That's Worf. Like mm-hmm. he's a security guy. Like I was naming all these cool aliens. I was like, that's Troy. She doesn't look like an alien, but she's a beta Z. She can like sense your feelings and kind of read your mind. And that's Riker. He's um good looking. <laughs> I was like, he's man, I had like tall. all of this. I was like, this is the captain. And, and that's Riker. He um he's just a really good looking dude i guess i don't uh. <laughs> hey there could be worse descriptions in the world <laughs> this is true this is true but i felt like i shortchanged him a little bit <laughs> he's very tall he stands in very creative ways um he is often on ships just before they blow up the seven uh, hmm, the seven year old nephew was like what does he do i was like everyone looks wait steely <laughs> <laughs> only yeah seven. we're gonna say that so, conversation yeah for no later. we were gonna save that for later yeah <laughs> yeah but he did he did watch this episode with me and he was like he stuck with me the whole time he was like this is so cool what's going on like and i just remember thinking i was exactly his age mm-hmm. when i started watching 
Star Trek. Cause at first I was like, oh, these concepts are like too adult yeah. for him or like too hard for a seven-year-old to understand. But then I was like, wait, no, I was this age too. Like mm-hmm. when you watch an adult show as a kid, you don't get all the nuances, but you get a lot. Right. Yeah. And you perceive it in your seven-year-old brain or your nine-year-old brain or whatever mm-hmm. age you are. So he was like wide-eyed. He loved it. He loved it. He was like, can we watch more of those movies? And I was like, it's a TV show. Yeah. There's a lot. We, we can watch more. So I thought that was pretty awesome. Oh, and yeah, the next I generation a- is introduced to this epic yes. show. I love that. Yes, I was really feeling very full circle. So I had a question for you about specifically this scene um, as you're talking about watching with your nephew. My first thought when I saw this opening scene was, ooh, terraformers. Now, terraformers haven't had a lot of good luck so far in the show. Nope. But I was very hopeful in the first 30 seconds. Maybe this time it'll be different. Maybe it'll work for us, but it didn't. <laughs> it, didn't. it sure didn't. However, it I sure I, didn't. It didn't. But however, I was thinking like, I, I really appreciate in this episode and that other one with the um the living sand where yes. they're trying to terraform. I really appreciate the spirit the micro of brain. terraformers. Yeah, the, ugh, the stupid name. Yeah, the microbrain. <laughs> um, I really appreciate the spirit of the terraformers. They're like just just these adventurous people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I love what Carmen said to Riker, where she was like, that, "Yes, it's a, it's exciting and it's fun finding a new planet, but really, it's making it a home." that's the real joy, which is like a whole nother layer to it, right? It's exploring. And then it's like creating something. Yeah. So I wanted to know, I wanted to ask you specifically, if you were in this world, if you were in the Federation, maybe not serving as an officer necessarily, but Mm -hmm. would you be the kind of person who's a terraformer? Would you be a terraformer? That's a really good question. Um, I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. And here's Mm -hmm. why, because I would want to spend years aboard the enterprise, um, exploring different systems and stuff like that. But after a while, I think it would start to feel very transient. Mm -hmm. I would want to put down roots somewhere. And Malona four was absolutely gorgeous. And actually Mm -hmm. any Star Trek super fans who are based in Southern California, like we are, can go check that out. That was filmed at the Golden Oak Ranch in Santa Clarita. And it's lots and lots of greenery like that, but there's also like old Western towns that are set. So people like, you know, companies will rent to like film there and whatnot. Um, But like where they chose to film was so gorgeous. Cause if it was a planet like that, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I would want to put down Vagra too. You might pass on that. Yeah, I'd be like, you know, this is looking awfully Marsy. Like, um, and then we've got that oil slick that just can't be clean. Like, no amount of kitty litter is yeah. cleaning that up. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> I'm good. I think it would, yeah, I think it would, depend I think it on the would planet depend the on the planet. Yeah. Like if it's Ryza, probably, probably, you know. Um, if it's Vega too, not so much. <laughs> got it. Um, but yeah, what about you? I don't know. I've been asking myself that question and I kind of feel like no. Um I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I just looking at my own home, it, I, the only reason I have paintings up on my walls is because I started painting. Okay. Otherwise there's nothing on my walls. There never has been, there probably never would be like, I'm just not the, you're a very Spartan person. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not kind of not while I like, like, while I am a homebody, I don't think I love the idea of going to a place that is uninhabited by man and turning it into someplace that's habitable by man. I am a city girl. I like Starbucks. I like <laughs> high rises. I like bay windows. So I think I'm the kind of person who would just 
move to a place that's already all done <laughs> and just enjoy. like once like, I finished all my work. Yes. Like I would go to Riza and hang out, like just be someplace beautiful and done and ready for people. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm the pioneer type. I don't, I think I'm the, I'm the oh, settler see, type. I'm the type to girl, come along after I, y'all have got it all together in another life. I swear I was Dr. Quinn medicine woman. Okay. Like <laughs> that's the kind of shit like that. When I see people, like I scroll around on Reddit at night before I go to bed, like it's just a good place to kind of like see what's around. And, um, I didn't realize there's a, there's a thread called like homesteading or something. And people will post pictures of like their little chicken farm or their hmm. whatever, or sometimes like problems or they're like, Hey, found this snake on my farm. Can anybody identify this or something? Right. Where it's a little bit of like an open source forum for people mm-hmm. to pitch in ideas and whatnot. And I was like, that is so cool because I often thought if I had enough land, I would want to like raise my own fruits and vegetables. I'd yep. want to have mm-hmm. chickens. Like I would totally, I had chickens when I was very little. My, well, my parents had chickens and I loved it. And actually my neighbors three doors down have chickens, which I just discovered. And they bring me like freshly laid eggs like once a week. And it's just the most wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me so happy. Like yeah. I would, this is, this is back to like the Darmok episode where you're like, don't go off the trail. And I'm like, we <laughs> who need the trail? Trail schmail. <laughs> yeah. I'm like burning the trail behind me. Cause I'm like, we don't need no stinking trail. And I'm not even going to that planet. Cause there's, <laughs> there's like electricity monsters. There. No, there, there's, a, there's a predator stegosaurus electricity monster on that planet. We are good. Yeah. I thought no, of you I would not homestead there. So yeah, you, you pick your planets carefully, but I did think of you as a terraformer. Well, you know where, like as a real world example, where I would never go to try to live is Australia because everything is designed to kill you there. Mm-hmm. Literally everything yep. is dis- designed to kill. <laughs> I'm like, I'll stick to SoCal where I can like drive home. You know, but it's like, so funny you mentioned that for a week. It's so funny you mentioned that because like the majority of our listeners are in Australia. So hang in there, guys. <laughs> oh my God. Australia, what is going on with you guys? <laughs> I don't know. They do have the most deadliest creatures in the world mm-hmm. are are in Australia. So I don't know how you guys are surviving long enough to listen to our episodes. And the but we appreciate area. You. They've got the most dangerous. Animals. Yes. We appreciate you. We are amazed by your fortitude. <laughs> I don't know. I saw a picture once again, it was on Reddit and it was like under subreddit Australia. And it was a picture of like, it was a person who was like walking through a park early one morning. And there was mm-hmm. all this frost everywhere, like in the trees, on the tables, mm-hmm. on the grass, on the path. And this person wrote, this isn't frost. It's spider season. And these are webs. <gasps> oh my gosh. That story. Yeah. Just got and I was so like, horrible so quickly. Yeah, it was, it looked like frost everywhere. Like everywhere you look, there were webs. I was like, Oh my activate jetpack and levitate your ass out of there. Like don't touch anything. That would be my last day in Australia. I'd be like, okay, good knowing you. Hello boss. I quit. Uh, <laughs> landlord I'm out. I'll send you my check. Once I get back to the States. Cause I can't, I can't, the spiders own everything and they can have it. Yep. Like I can't. Yep. Mm-mm. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. good. <laughs> Moving back to the terraformers. Cause that was chilling. I I will say I've had two Australian roommates and they were the most lovely. Australians are just the most fun and lovely, easygoing, chill, down to earth, ready to party people I've ever met. And I just think they're like lovely, but the spiders y'all can have that. You can have it. It's okay. It's okay. So going back to the show, (sighs) we're off topic by a lot, just a little bit. And, uh, going back to the show. Okay. So 
I'm loving the Carmen Riker, like little sizzle chemistry between them. Yes. And when, okay. And then they hear this weird sound data can identify it. And we see the crystalline entity coming down from orbit right above this one colony on the whole freaking planet. It's zeroed in on this one colony because they are terraforming. So it's only people there. Um, But I probably found the place where there's like the most potential nutrients and it's the people. Yeah, exactly. Something because it also eats all the trees and the bacteria and everything. But like that's, that makes sense to me. What I loved about this scene was how the crystalline entity blocked the sun, but made everything blue because the sun was filtering through its like blue light. I was like, that is a sweet touch. It's kind of like, wasn't that cool? Yeah. It's like whenever we see the Borg and everything's green, it's kind of like reminding me of that with how this crystalline entity comes and everything's blue. I was like, oh my gosh. And, and I was like, oh snap, this is not good. Very, Mm -hmm. very bad. And what drove me crazy was when Will is like, turns to Carmen is like, gather everyone. We've seen this before. And she's like, what is it? And he's like, I don't have time to explain. Let's go. And I'm like, all the words you just used, you should have just said run. We didn't yeah. need all those words. Everybody run, run, run. Yeah. like, you know, follow data. Like that's what I was yeah. thinking. And I was yep. just like, oh my gosh, this drives me crazy when people say all the stuff that they don't need to say. Like, I don't have time to explain this to you right now, but I will explain this to you in full. By this time we're already dead, man. <laughs> Come on. That kills, Riker. that does kill me. Come they're on. like, there isn't any time to explain this. If I had time to explain it, I would tell you about it, but we <laughs> but don't, don't have time. At current, we're really running. It's like the, yeah, the time no. it took to explain that you don't have time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was no time. Um, so they they end up running, and an old man falls down, and Carmen runs back to save him or try to get him up off the ground, and gets both of them get completely wiped out by the crystalline entity's like suction beam. That it's mm-hmm. like this. The way that they did this in special effects was so great. So like cool. a white light, and then it's just a perfectly lined like patch of just dirt. Like there isn't mm-hmm. anything left. I thought it was really well done. It was amazing. Cause you could see the contrast in that scene where Carmen and the old man were incinerated or whatever you could yeah. just, you could see the green patch next to the Brown patch. It's just yes. like, everything is just like dissolving. It's just gone. Yes. yes. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's totally terrifying. This whole scenario is terrifying. And then running into a cave and then stealing off the cave, because I was also thinking, can the entity come into the cave? Isn't it too mm-hmm. big? Or like, can it break off little pieces of itself and get in there? I don't know. Well, remember data did say like, there's this like refractory, per, you know, like material in the yeah, rock that might metal. save something, right. something. Um, and so, yeah, they, they go into these underground caves and we have two new phaser settings, by the way, rockfall and lamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you notice that? we haven't seen rockfall before? No, I don't think we've seen Rockfall oh. before. And I'm pretty sure we haven't seen Lamp because we haven't they seen have Lamp. That was a they new haven't, one. <laughs> that for sure was a new one. I wrote that down. I was like, oh hey. Yeah, you can turn on lights now. Yeah. Cause they we have seen where they use it to like warm the rocks yes. to like stay warm, which should give off some light if you heat it Maybe up enough, like a lamp. metal that glows. I don't know. But yeah, they had rockfall and they had lamp. And I was like, cool. All right. We need um, to get some phasers, girl. This is like so much better they than a Swiss do Army everything. knife. They, they do, do everything. everything. They've got 5,500 settings. Yeah. Um, now they have to wait it out in the cave for a long time. And air is starting to run out. And that was my like, first thought when they sealed the cave. Well, actually, my first thought was, can the entity get in the cave? Because yes. it made it a lot easier for it to eat you. But then after they sealed it, my second first thought was, now you're going to suffocate to death. And I just thought this whole scenario from start to finish is terrifying. Being the oh, colonists totally. running for your lives, 
seeing things get devoured, being trapped in a cave, not if having you're oxygen. Not, if you are not claustrophobic now, you will be yeah. forever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I did see, I did catch something and you're so right about this. Cause Beverly, thank God there's a doctor on, on the Seriously. team. Cause she was like, let's just hope that we don't run out of air. And Riker's like, there's gotta be some sort of air funnel somewhere. And I was like, has there got to be, why yep. does there have to be False. like, why nope. are you just assuming this could just be a hole in a rock? Yeah. It doesn't go anywhere else. Yes. The other side of the rock. There's gotta be something good. Is there, <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's any, you're just really wishful thinking our way out of this. And he now, was just like, everyone sit still and don't move and like, try not to breathe. And I thought that was genius. Cause I actually wouldn't have thought of that. I did think about air running out, but I didn't think about the best way to conserve air with a group of people trapped in a cave. Um, and that was genius. And I totally filed that away if I'm ever in this unfortunate situation. Yeah. And I also thought is reminding me of that episode. I don't remember the name. Maybe you do, but the one with, um, was it, Oh, was it like the final mission or something like that? The one with, with Wesley, his last episode yes. where they were trapped on that planet. <clears throat> yeah. And I just thought again, like, this is my yeah. worst nightmare. This scenario, like what if you're in this cave and someone starts freaking out and running around screaming because they're afraid to die. And now they're using up everyone's air. Like no, just, what you have to do right in that moment is you have to kn- knock them, them on the head. Yeah. Yeah. You have to knock them unconscious immediately because they you could, run, I mean, yeah. you run the risk of injuring them and they could die or they're going to take everybody's air and everybody's going to die. So I need you to. Yeah. Terrible. I actually was talking to uh, a, a family friend who's a psychologist and I was like, have you ever had patients? Cause she has worked in mental hospitals. And I was like, have you ever had patients like absolutely lose it on you and go completely crazy. She's like, yeah. Um, and when it gets bad enough and gets like where they can hurt you or themselves, you have to slap them hard across the face. Like you have to wait, like stop them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's, that kind of brings everything to a dead stop. And usually they'll be like, what, what, you know, and then you yeah. can be like, stop, yeah. you know? And I was like, Jesus, how many times have you had to do that? She's like once I think in like 20 years or whatever. And I was like, cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank God. Also, thank God you're doing that job because that's not yeah. it for me right there. Yeah. Um, so now finally, you know, as air is starting to run out and they're like, you know, we might have to blast our way out here. Um, they start hearing like some rumblings and cracklings behind the rock fall that they used to seal themselves in. And I love that data and Riker are pointing phasers. I was like, what, what are you going to do to the crystalline entity? If it they're going to that go thing? down swinging, that's what yeah, they're going to do in a blaze of glory. Apparently they're going to die with the phaser in their hand, which I feel like is appropriate. Yeah, that's true. That's they're true. not going to do anything, but they're just not going to sit there and just be eaten. Also, yes, so. that's true. That's true. Now, as it turns out, it's not the crystalline entity. It's Worf and the security team who've made it to the cave and liberated them. Thank God. And the crystalline entity has completely destroyed all life on the planet. And first of all, that visual, you know, when you had oh that like gosh, lush yeah. planet and then mm-hmm. it was like this like. Like, mountain, these, like range. mountain range of just like dug out debris or whatever. Basically, I was like, just God. looked like Mars. It did look like Mars. Everywhere. And it was like so heartbreaking. My first thought was Jordy is now officially the smallest living being on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first thought. Why Jordy? They had kids on that planet. He was the shortest one, I think, out of the whole group, wasn't he? <laughs> Jordy <laughs> is the smallest living thing on this entire planet. And Worf is the largest living thing on this planet. It's not a lot of range. I got to be honest. Um, but yeah, the, the planet is completely destroyed and we're going to have to skip ahead a bit because this is going to be like a four hour long episode, but um, they bring aboard Dr. Kyla Marr to study what happened with the crystalline entity. And 
she is immediately irritated by Data. She doesn't want to work with him Mm -hmm. because as we find out, her son died on the attack on Omicron Theta, which was the original planet that the crystalline entity destroyed. And if you remember, like Data was found on that stone plinth and that's Mm -hmm. where Data and Lore came from. Mm -hmm. We do know from season one that Lore um, called the entity somehow. Thank you. Yeah. Lord the entity there to destroy the colonists because he was very petty. And yes. jealous. Super petty and jealous. And now so, everyone knows this. This is common knowledge now that Lore was behind it. Yes. And if I recall correctly, and it should have, it should have been obvious that episode is entitled Data Lore. Yes. You do, you do recall. <laughs> I was like, correctly. wait, wait a minute. Yeah, that was that's a really that was a given. Um, and so she suspects that Data like lured the entity to Malona 4 the same way that Lore like lured the entity to Omicron Theta. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, I think that the crystalline entity only spared your team because you were part of the group and it's not going to destroy its ally. Like, why would it spare you? Which I got to say from her point of view, that's a very like reasonable thing to suspect, Mm -hmm. especially given the fact that there have never been any survivors from the crystalline entity attacks, like none at all. And there's one group that survives and it happens to have data. Who's the brother of the man who lured it. Like, "Mm, I would be feeling pretty suspicious myself to be honest yeah i would feel probably more suspicious if data was like on the enterprise when it came to the planet versus data putting himself in harm's way with all Mm -hmm. the colonists unless he's that sick of a mind that he wants to be there to see everybody die but then why would he also be a part of saving everyone's lives i don't know so there are some loopholes but looking through the lens of vengeance and justice and anger absolutely everything she thought makes complete right and i like that picard was having none of it when she was just like, I would prefer not to work with Data. And Picard was just like, that's nice. You can add more people to your team if you want, but Data is the foremost expert and you will work with him at the very least. I just, yes. I just love that Picard. It's just, he is so, he's always on the side of his people. Like we had the same thing with Worf during his discommendation days for like a whole mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Every time a Klingon came on board, they were like, I don't want to work with Worf. And Picard was like, tough, you're working with Worf. Yeah. I just appreciate the way he stands behind his people. And even when Troy called him on it and was like, she still has some hurt feelings. Maybe this wasn't a good idea. He was just like, look, if she cannot, if her feelings are getting in the way of her doing her job, I need to know right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes Picard an amazing yeah. leader. Yeah, that is, that's, I think that was like really wonderful. Cause I, I think it was great of Troy to be like, maybe you shouldn't have forced them together so soon, but I love how he answered that. Yeah. He was like, if she's not going to be a team player, it's best to know now. It's like dating advice. If somebody's going to be a dick, better to find out sooner than yes. later. Yep. So, you know, because then you can make some informed decisions without emotional attachments clouding your judgment or what, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, it's better for this investigation not to go on for like three and a half weeks, only to have to have her recused from like the investigation right. three right. weeks in. Like, that's too, we don't have time for that. Now, um, after conducting some experiments in main engineering, Dr. Mars starts to warm a little to data especially after she learns that he's programmed with many experiences of the colonists from, from Omicron Theta, including those of her son, Rennie, who died when he was 16 in the crystalline entity attack, mm-hmm. which is just so sad. It's so sad. And it's so young. Yeah. And we discovered this is what set her on her path to become the expert she is today. This is why she is the foremost expert on the crystalline entity is because she, she was always a scientist. She was always an accomplished scientist. Yeah, the death of her son turned her ambitions to 
knowing everything she could about this one entity. Mm-hmm. And we learn it was to learn everything about it so that she could destroy it. She didn't really want to know yeah. anything about it. She just wanted revenge. And she was willing to dedicate her entire life to that end, yeah. which is again, superhuman. It's very human. It's superhuman, right? Like it's such a human instinct, especially as like the mother of a slain child, like as a scientist, like she would understand that killing this entity would not bring Rennie back, but it, it avenges like his death, even though yeah. his death wasn't a murder. And, and she it does wasn't. have this, exactly. she, she has this like back and forth with, with Picard. Cause she realizes that Picard has no plans to destroy the crystalline entity. Right. Or it's Instead, his last resort, which is so yes. hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like, instead he's like, no, no, we're not hunters. I'm here to communicate with it. Um, and it, it has as much right to live as we do. And like, it's not another killing. good line. Yeah. Yeah. It's not he killing. Said, it's, it's feeding. Mm-hmm. It's feeding. It's not murdering. It's feeding. And if maybe we could determine its needs, perhaps we can find a different source of food other than people. destroying planets and people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, whatever. It's not targeting people. It's just targeting planets. It's like the Borg. But instead of taking all that energy to assimilate, it's just feeding itself. It's like me going through a bag of like Doritos. Like I'm just eating. It's yeah. not anything personal against the Doritos. Or as Picard says, it's the whale with the cuttlefish. And, yes. and he's like, yeah, it doesn't feel great for the cuttlefish, but the whale's not murdering cuttlefish. It's just yes. eating. And I thought to myself as he was talking, first of all, this was a really great speech. This is a great speech as a captain. This is a great speech as a scientist. And it's true that, you know, nature, most of nature kills to eat. Very few yes. animals in nature, man is included, kill for sports or for protection of their, their property or their land or their meat. Yeah. Most don't even kill for mates. Most just like harm and maim. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I appreciate about what he was saying was he never tried to communicate, or as far as I know, they never tried to communicate with the Borg. The Borg were just destructive and scary and awful, and they just tried to run or fight if they had to. But there was really no way, there was no back and forth because the Borg were just like, you, you will be assimilated. Like resistance is futile. They, there was no communication back and forth. Um, however, that was not the approach he took with the crystalline entity. And I'm really curious as to why that is, why he didn't view them exactly as the Borg. But I'm glad he didn't because I think- Well, because it wasn't turning. I mean, it's very, to me- You see what I mean? Like they're both yeah, kind of mindless. Yeah, I, Mindless, like destroyers of worlds. Yes. But the Borg have a mission to assimilate people against their will. And the crystalline entity is just eating. Um, and Picard did try to communicate with the Borg, but that failed almost immediately. And then I just went to like run away. Oh, okay. But like, but yeah, no, I mean, I understand completely where Picard is coming from because I, it's, I was thinking about this in terms of like, what if we are the crystalline entity and cows are like, coming together to like fight us right where they're like stop killing and eating Mm -hmm. us and i'm like but i just wanted a burger like it's nothing you know and like that in i kind of looked at it as like what if we were the ones you know being targeted as like murderers which like humans do kill a lot of things like for food right and it's not personal it's just eating it's just it's just food right it's a food source we're just feeding so i understand completely like why picard wouldn't want to destroy it like this is a very like singular and, and like mm-hmm. exquisite and different life form unlike anything we've ever encountered before we owe it to ourselves and to the life form 
to try to communicate mm-hmm. and establish some sort of link where like we could maybe meet its needs or fabricate some sort of chemical, synthesize something for it or something. I don't know. So like that'd be cool living, right? Like I was thinking, what Without if you took it everyone. to like, mm-hmm. what if you found like a star that like a dying star that it could feed off of energy wise for like a millennia, you know, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to like kill planets or whatever. I don't know, but she is not having it. Sharice. And I see where she's, she's coming like, from too. Dare you? Yeah. She's like, it's killed hundreds of thousands of people. And as far as we know, at this point, there have been 11 recorded attacks of the crystalline entity. And yeah. this is the only group that's ever known to survive these group of, mm-hmm. you know, and almost all of them did except for Carmen and the poor gentleman she was trying to help. Yeah. However, like, so I see where she's coming from too, that it has, it has destroyed whole planets. It's just left it whole planet track record. Weight. Yeah. So I understand why she's angry and why she's scared and why she, or why one would be scared and why would one would say mm-hmm. this is just destructive and we need to get rid of it, which Riker brings up later on privately with Picard. Like, I'm not so sure about this chit chatting plan. Like, I think we should just blow it up. I'm going to take a page yeah. from Worf's book and just say, shoot it. Let's just yeah. shoot it. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate that Picard actually listens. You know, he hears what they're saying and he's still holding the line of like, yeah, but it, it has a right to survive and I am prepared to kill it if necessary. But yes. I want that to be our last resort, not our first yeah. resort. La- last resort only. Now, this sort of feeling with Riker and Dr. Mar is kind of cemented when a ship called the Calisco sends out a distress signal. That Another great pursued. name. Calisco, yeah. Uh, being pursued by the crystalline entity, and they do not survive the attack. What's interesting is the ship is perfectly intact. It's just nothing living left aboard. Just like the planets. Yes. It's like nothing scoops, living. Somehow it like absorbs the living things. Yes. Yes. Well, which I, which I'm curious because if Malona four had like some buildings would those buildings still be there. Cause I feel like the landscape was totally wiped out. Right. Yeah. But the landscape was all trees and bushes. So I don't oh, know. You're right. I you're don't right. know. You're right. I don't know because we also had that episode with where we thought it was the crystalline entity, but it was really the Romulans that the mm-hmm. neutral zone episode in season yes. one, where the whole land yeah. had been scooped out, like an ice yeah. cream scooper had come and like scooped it and mm-hmm. the, the like colony was gone. And we were kind of like, Wait, did the crystalline entity take the buildings or does it not take the buildings? I don't think we ever get an answer to that question. But according to what happened with the ship, we should still see a ghost town. Like the town should be exactly the same. The cities should be exactly the same. But all the bushes and potted plants and trees, the parks, everything. Yeah. All of that. Um, Well, we hear the poor aliens aboard the Calisco being wiped out. And Dr. Mar is so disturbed by this. And she talks to data later in the turbo lift. And she's like, you know, I remember hearing that during wartime when soldiers are dying, like they, as they lay dying, they often like cry out for their mothers at the end. And she's like, I wonder if Rennie did the same for me. Um, And like, she ends up working with data to fine tune their instruments. And she actually asks data to play back some of his journal entries in like in Rennie's voice. And Data does, and Dr. Marr is just gut-wrenched, right? Mm-hmm. Like, her heart is just being ripped out of her to hear her son's voice, especially learning, like, there was a girl in his life that he was really into and all this stuff. And I think at this point, this is where your personal feelings are overwhelming your ability to do your job, and, like, you probably need to step away. Like, she's sliding really, yeah. really quickly yeah. into There's this, no like, way she's going to step away, body. though. Yeah, I agree. Then there's no way she's going to step away. There's no way she's devoted her whole life. They would have to tie her down and like put four skulls around her body Mm -hmm. to keep her out of it at this point, at any point really, but especially the closer she gets to, to where they are now. So we discover a couple of things. Data 
figures out how to follow the trail of the crystalline entity. So they, mm-hmm. they pick up a, um, some antimatter particles that are being transmit emitted just by this, by the crystalline entity. So they can follow it through space. They know it's where it's going. It's heading towards some habited inhabited planets. So they're trying to kind of cut it off before it gets there. We also learn that Dr. Mar herself was an accomplished scientist back when her son was on Omicron Theta and she left him there with some family friends to be raised while she kind of went off and did things for her career. And she kept saying like, oh, every year I'm going to go back and get him. I'm going to go back and get him. And then she said, one day there was no more years, right? Because of the attack and her son had died. So she had spent all this time thinking that maybe her son was mad at her or felt abandoned. She had just been feeling really guilty for all these years. Yes. Terrible mother. So part of her requests to data was what did my son think of me? Did he feel mad at me or upset at me for, for leaving him? And data was able to feel abandoned. yeah, Yeah. Data was able to reassure her from all the journal entries that I have from him he was proud. He was proud of you. He was proud that you were living your dreams and he was proud to be your son. And I thought that was a really beautiful piece of closure that not a lot of parents get about how their kids really feel about them and vice versa. Not a lot of kids get about how their parents really feel about them. We don't always Mm -hmm. open up until it's too late. And sometimes it's too late and we don't get that chance. Right. So I just thought, I thought that was a really beautiful sense of closure that she could have gotten from data, but that wasn't enough for her. She still needed revenge. She still needed it. And and they do end up finding the crystalline entity. And the crystalline entity comes zooming up to the Enterprise. And they begin sending this like fluctuating particle pattern. And the crystalline entity starts responding and sending its own pattern of like particles or waves, like an energy pattern. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, my God, when there's a pattern, that means it's like communicating in some way. It might take years to figure out what that what is. What it's saying, but clearly it's it saying, wants to but talk. Like, Yes, it wants to talk like it's sentient, which is incredible. And Dr. Mar is like, it's beautiful, which it is. Yes, she's like, it's beautiful, which it really is. And she's totally like struck by this. And this is the one moment in the episode where it feels like hopeful, right? Where it's like, it's communicating back. We're breaking through. Dr. Mar thinks it's beautiful. Like there might be hope after all. Oh my God. And really, who's ever seen the crystalline entity besides the Enterprise? to know what it looks like at all and to describe it. So maybe she's never even seen it or didn't know exactly. And maybe pictured it as some creepy monster, which I would, if it's something that killed my child and killed the whole colony and killed 11 planets. Yeah. I would think of it as an ugly monster, not a beautiful snowflake in space. Like this crystal structure. Yeah. But alas, it is not enough to stay her hand. And she pushes a button and suddenly the particle beam starts coming through. Like instead of like, you know, consistent little like beeps, it's like a constant wave. And the Mm -hmm. crystalline entity immediately like backs away and stops transmitting. And Troy is like, it doesn't like it. It doesn't like it. And Picard is going, Dr. Mar, stop the beam. Dr. Mar, stop the beam. Dr. Mar, stop the beam. And I'm like, why is it taking so long for you guys to be like data? Stop this. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like wharf disable, whatever she's doing mm-hmm. or something like, th- I mean, they literally went, this went on for like 15 fucking hours before yeah. they like data, try to stop it. And I was like, what? and then it was like, she's locked out all the codes. And you're like, well, if we would have said this a little bit earlier, data, stop her. He would have probably had enough seconds to figure out the code. I mean, it's data. So for some reason, Jordy's like, I can figure it out, but it's going to take me some hours. Why can't data just do it faster? Didn't he just see her? What she did? Yeah. <laughs> Can't he, he just like yes. undo what, what, what he thought. saw her did? Like do? they ran out of time because they spent like five minutes being awestruck by the beauty of the crystalline entity going, Dr. Mar, stop it. 
Dr. Mar, Dr. Mar, you might want to stop it now. It's like, okay, listen, this thing is starting to vibrate out of control. Like data, do shut something. it down. Yeah. Right? Shut it down. Do something. Pull the plug. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'm really disappointed that it took so long. Although I guess it may not have made that much of a difference because she did like create like a single lockout code and the poor crystalline entity ends up shaking out of control. And she goes, I did it for you, Rennie. Yeah. It's super creepy. A million pieces. Well, no, while this thing is vibrating out of control, she grabs data's sleeve and she's like, yeah. it's for you, Rennie, for yeah. you, which I thought, lady, you've lost your entire grip of reality. Like yeah. this man is programmed with your son's journal entries, but he's gone, honey. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. Okay. Talking to data, like he's your son. You fucking lost it. You've yeah. lost your grip on reality. We should have never had data repeat your son's journals in his no. voice. Like that no. request of, can you make it sound exactly like my son? I know you have that capability. That was, that was a bad call. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, doctor, but that's in my abilities, but I don't think it'd be appropriate. So no. Um, yeah. And it dies. The crystalline entity explodes and it looks a lot like the death star when it explodes, lots of spark mm-hmm. shooting everywhere and stuff. Yeah. And finally Picard is like, escort her to her quarters and do not leave her unattended. And data goes with her. What harm could and- she do now though? I'm just the saying. thing is gone. It's dead. Yeah. Now she feels like she's at peace. And the way she walks with data, did you notice how she kept holding his hand and like Ugh, cuddling with him? Gross. And as, gross. She, as she walked off to the turbo lift, she had the biggest smile on her face. Like it was just a warm, sunny day. The world, I was right with the world. I mean, she was just like on cloud nine as she walked off the bridge while everyone stared at her with their mouths open. Yeah. Like, what did you, you just, just do? A life form. And I also thought to myself, as far as we know, this is the only crystalline entity we've encountered. But what if there are others and they're super pissed that you just killed one of them? Like, come on, man. Yeah. But she didn't Transmit care about coordinates any of that. of Dr. Mar to the new crystalline entities and just get the hell out of there. <laughs> You're on your own, lady. <laughs> Go ahead. You can't take them all down at once. There's like a hundred coming for you. Anyway. Um, yeah. She keeps doing this, like holding his hand and trying to snuggle like in, in his like shoulder. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Stop. Mm. And she goes, do you think that? Rennie would be pleased that like now he can like rest peacefully. And I love that data in the most perfect data way says, no, after like reviewing everything that I know of your son, he would be really sad about what you've done. Like he took such pride in your scientific accomplishments and now you've just destroyed all of it. Like your career is over because of this. And he would be really sad right now that you killed this like life form. Yeah, so, and you just and see her, her face, like, face fall. fall. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was so painful. And there's no take backs. As in, as in the real world, mm-hmm. there are no take backs for something that big. Mm-hmm. You can't take and it back. That, that comes it, back to the, yeah. And that comes back to the question of justice versus vengeance. Like that's exactly it. And I actually think about this all the time whenever there's some heinous crime. And I watch a lot of crime TV. I think I've mentioned before in the show, like I love crime dramas because I'm always like, because they always have a sense of justice. There's always, they wrap it yeah. up at the end within 45 minutes. We've caught the bad guy all is well. Every once in a while, the bad guy escapes, but we find him in the next episode. Right. So it's like, unlike the real world, there's always some nice little wrap up. Um, but I often think about justice versus vengeance and how different those things are, because I feel like no matter what you do, you can never bring back that person, right? Destroying the crystalline entity didn't bring Rennie back couldn't bring Rennie back and could it make you feel better? Maybe like maybe for a little bit, I think she felt better all the way back to her quarters, all those, you know, however many minutes it took for her to get there for three minutes, she felt amazing. 
And then now her whole entire career is over. She's probably going to be court-martialed or whatever the heck the the punishment system is for her actions of Mm -hmm. killing a life form in cold blood with like Mm -hmm. a million witnesses. You can't pretend like you didn't do it. (laughs) Like, uh, now your whole life is over. It's kind of like, you know, if someone kills a loved one and then you go and kill that person for quote unquote justice. And so your loved one can quote unquote rest. Well, now you're in jail for the rest of your life for what you did because yeah. you took someone else's loved one. And just, it just kind of keeps because going. That's what justice is. That's justice. Not the killing of the first person, the second person having to serve like time for what they did. It's it's, it goes back to the quintessential, like two wrongs don't make a right. You know, Um, and I'm and I'm reliving a lot of that right now because with my nephew staying with me for the summer, like it's a lot of like, well, he did this. Well, he did that. Well, he right. Right. And it was like, nope, nope, nope. We're not doing all that. And, you know, why did you hit your brother? Well, he hit me first. Well, two wrongs don't make a right. You can't justify that. Like you just can't justify that because you didn't like what somebody did. So, you know, yeah, it's a hard, hard thing. Yeah. And like, I think the key difference here is the crystalline entity did not murder your son it ate the planet that your son happened to be on and he was collateral damage right you went out and purposely murdered this thing i guess that's, that's alive that's true. so it's like that makes her so for so like that makes her a murderer and him yeah. like not him and it the crystalline entity was just eating mm-hmm. but she actually murdered something mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and that's and that was and that episode is really sad it's really sad. And like, it's so sad for her because now she has to live with that for the rest of her life. And she, her life now has no more purpose. She's destroyed mm-hmm. the crystalline entity. She's done the thing she set out to do, but now it's done. And all this time later finds out that like Rennie never wanted that anyway. So it's like, yeah. Wow, and that I really sucks. I wonder if, um, because, you know, like I said, when people serve time for stuff that they've done, that's horrible, like murder, it doesn't feel to me like that's enough. But also mm-hmm. killing them doesn't feel like enough because what I want is for that person to be back. And yes. that's not an option. Yes. <laughs> so I feel like, well, then what's the option? Because I want that. That's the option I want. That's the only one that to me feels like enough. And thinking about this scenario, I wonder if she would have decided not to kill the crystalline entity, but instead to communicate with it and figure out its origins and all that stuff. If that could have actually given her a second life, because her whole life was about revenge and killing the entity. But now, as you said, it's dead. And now she has no yeah. purpose or meaning for her whole life. Her whole life's meaning is gone. Because not only she's already accomplished the one thing she set out to do, and she's lost the the illusion that her son would be proud or happy or at rest mm-hmm. because of her actions. But had she taken a different choice, she could have still been the foremost expert in this entity, and it could have given her life a whole new purpose. Now mm-hmm. I know about these entities. Now I know what they're doing and where they're from. And mm-hmm. now we have this other food source, so they can't destroy us anymore. And you know, I this first entity, I'm going to call him Rennie in in honor of my son and what he yeah. even like. Yeah, this could have yeah. given her life a whole new fresh wave of meaning Mm -hmm. that was positive and impactful and impacted the whole species of crystalline entities and every other species that they would have eaten like it could have been amazing and instead it was just really sad i i totally agree with you she could have she could have had like a whole new career as an extension of the career that she already has right and like it could have been really beautiful and rennie would have still been so proud of her Mm -hmm. right um it's very rare to find stories like this, but I do remember reading a story of a woman whose son was murdered um, by this other kid. And, and it was some like stupid, like a bar fight that got out of control, or I don't know, something really stupid like this. And like her son died so pointlessly. And the woman actually made it a point to like forgive that 
man who like murdered her son. I think they were close to the same age. Mm-hmm. And she basically like adopted him almost like a surrogate son because that boy was like so lost in his life that this is like the choices that he had turned to and like forgave him and like gave him the chance at like a new life with like a family who loved him and like all wow. this stuff, like, which is like, that takes some superhuman ability right yeah. there, you know, that's super amazing ability. Yeah. That's amazing. Really, like, really I, amazing. I can't imagine that. Like I said, I just, I want the person to have not died. That's what I want. Yes. That's the yes. only outcome I want. And that's yes. like the only outcome you can't have. Exactly. Which, which is what makes these kinds of questions and situations very complicated and frustrating. And it's why I totally understand what Dr. Mar did. I wish he would have not killed it because I think it was, yeah. as you put it, like such a singular individual and mm-hmm. so much was lost in the losing of this yeah. entity. However, yeah. I totally understand why she did it. She's this is this yeah. has been her whole life's mission, and um, yeah. it's just unfortunate. I'm gonna find it and destroy it because yeah. it's my son. Sure, and it's unfortunate that at the end she realizes that was a horrible mistake. Yeah. So my final thoughts on this episode is that it was a sad episode on so many levels, but very very well done. Um, I like that we got the where are they now for the crystalline entity, um, and we got a second sort of story out of it. Um, a couple of things to note: Picard is still wearing his super cool red suede jacket. But it did. I don't know if you noticed this, but it got a touch of an update on Darmok on the episode Darmok. It had these like very heavy rubber shoulders, um, but they swapped those out. And it looks like the shoulders are just black suede now, um, which I thought was pretty cool because the rubber shoulders were like really heavy looking and like really thick and kind of clumsy looking. So they updated that a little bit. Um, Just as a side note, this episode was inspired by the the novel Moby Dick with the crystalline entity being seen as like the white whale like this destroyer which i thought was like really kind of interesting um guys next week we are talking season five episode five disaster thank you so much for nerding out and hanging in there with us and we will see you next week bye thanks for geeking out with us be sure to join the crew at the tngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members See you next time.